Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Mark Sports Talk. I'm your host, Mark Dagenhart, and Arkansas falls short on homecoming to Auburn, uh, 38-23, to and man, this was not pretty. This was not a game that I expected to see, but this is coming at the end of a just a grueling you know, just, just a very gauntlet of a schedule. Eight games straight, then a bye week, and then you finish it up with five uh, or four straight games. So, Auburn has a really creative, you know, scrambling quarterback in Bo Nix. He's an experienced guy, and... Auburn's Auburn's got a talented team. No matter what they're going through with a new, you know, coaching hire and all the the struggles that they've had, they still have talent on their team. And coming into the season, they were uh, voted the third best defensive line, you know, right behind Georgia and Alabama. So it's still a talented team. I don't know why everybody was just assuming that Arkansas was going to beat Auburn. I looked at this stretch, and I thought we would be lucky to go two and two um, just because it's a tough stretch this season in college football. The home field advantage is very, very key. I mean, you've seen it already with the university of Arkansas when uh, they've played and beat uh, Texas and Texas A&M. There wasn't necessarily an overwhelming crowd presence there, but for it technically being an away game, even though technically Arkansas was the home team, it was in Arlington. It was not necessarily in College Station. It was a neutral site game, and Arkansas's fans traveled well. They, you know, they did everything that they could, and you know, because A and M challenged at the end of the second half, basically, um, their fans stayed stayed into it, and it was a it was a great game. Um, Georgia, you see, Arkansas was not prepared for that game. They were not prepared for the big stage, and I think it mainly just has to do with their overall depth. I think uh, some of these guys have a ceiling, and they're probably pretty close to to that ceiling, if not already at that ceiling, uh, playing in the SEC. And you know, Arkansas has just got to recruit their way out of it. They're you know t- the second year into uh, Sam Pittman head coaching era. And seemingly ahead of schedule. Um, I expect coaching changes at the end of the season just because that's going to happen. If you're doing a good job, you want your coaches at least to be, you know, wanted. You you don't want to lose them, but it's, you know, inevitable. But I, I wonder how quick... You know, our, our, our guy's constantly going to be rotating in here one year and out, one year and out. You know, you had Derek LeBlanc one year and out. You had Brad Davis one year and out. You had uh, John Cooper one year and out. Um, Justin Stepp one year and out. <clears throat> I wonder, you know, I wonder if there's any threat to some of the first-year coaches at Arkansas. Um, that's just going to be a trend throughout college football, throughout this season, and going into the off season, there's already head coaches, uh, head coaching spots open. Washington State 
had some controversial uh, firing going on when all you know state officials were required to um, get vaccinated, and their head coach was a state official because he represented the state of Washington, and he, he did not get vaccinated, so he got fired. So Pac-12's got an opening. LSU, even though they beat a really good Florida team, and they were an underdog, even though they defeated him, they still went ahead and fired Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron loves LSU so much, and then just he's been an interim coach before. Makes perfect sense. They've agreed to let him finish out the year and coach in a bowl game. If so, you know, and if in fact they do make a bowl game, which I expect them to. I mean, I hope Arkansas beats them. They look very beatable, but going into Baton Rouge at any time is very, very difficult to go in there and win. Uh, coming back to the home field advantage thing, it's very, very difficult to go into any away game, hostile environment, and come away with a win. And that is just being seen throughout college football. Alabama loses in Kyle Field to Texas A&M. A two-loss Texas A&M, mind you. But Texas A&M has looked very much improved since that win as they, you know, had their way against Missouri. And, you know, just uh, the ACC is in shambles, so... As far as the top teams, the teams that, you know, preseason predictions and expectations, there are going to be coaching changes made. You know, maybe not at the head coach level, but at least, you know, some, some other levels. And it's, it's interesting to look at the chaos that has happened through college football and the chaos that will continue to happen. Arkansas is 4-3. and three. They went 4-0 and now have, you know, come off of three-game losing streak as they, you know, go to Little Rock this Saturday at 11 a.m., their fourth straight. And mind you, next week, Arkansas is off week. They're bye week when they don't have a game. There is no 11 o'clock game in the SEC. So it's like, hey, Arkansas is not playing. No 11 o'clock game. Uh, a little obvious there, SEC. <laughs> but... Arkansas goes to War Memorial Stadium to play UAPB. UAPB is a smaller school. Uh, Arkansas should get in and out with their starters very quickly and put some of your younger, more inexperienced guys in there and get some confidence built, get some depth built. I mean, obviously, you're seven games in and, uh, you know, four games into a really tough F SEC schedule, Texas A&M, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Auburn. And you're beat up. Arkansas's beat up. You can tell that they're, you know, they've been going through some growing pains, some transition pains through coaches over the last decade. And to have some success and some culture instilled and belief instilled in their head coach now and Sam Pittman, the right amount of bodies need to be in there and the right type of bodies need to be in there. And I don't think they're there yet. Obviously, Dorian Gerald, a starter on the defensive line, has gone for the season. Happened very early on, I think, in the first game. Uh, Jalen Catalan is, is done for the season. Uh, I think he had tears in his labrum in the front and back side of one shoulder and then uh, a broken hand. So there's rumblings that he may go pro, 
But Coach Pittman said at that, you know, he didn't necessarily think that he was intending on leaving, but he said, you know, that's something that Jalen would be able to help you with more directly. And it would be huge if Jalen Catalan came back. I think it's a possibility that he does come back just because he really doesn't have a whole lot of game film and he has more consistent injuries happening to him than he does have two, three uh, consecutive impactful seasons. Uh, if you're going to be a high draft pick, you're, you're going to have to have uh, more impactful uh, seasons, more regular snaps. And to have uh, the season lost, even though there's some success being you know had on the field, uh, I think he's going to need to come back and prove that he can be healthy and he can be impactful for a third year, or for a fourth year, but a third year as a starter. And Jalen Catalan is draft eligible as a third-year redshirt sophomore. So let's hope he does come back. Let's hope, you know, so, so far his surgery went well and uh, he's already on to rehab. So uh, good for that. Uh, Dalton Wagner expected to return after the bye week for Mississippi State, as well as Markel Utsi and Ladarius Bishop. You know, you just... There's lots of guys that are out there that are dinged up, that are hurt. Obviously, Arkansas, you know, the players that you see, the players that the fans see, running backs, the quarterbacks, and the receivers, those those groups are doing well. They have lots of depth, so much depth that at the running back position, I don't think they really get to focus on one, you know, one number one back. I think right now it's going to Rocket Sanders, but even still, he's not getting consistent reps. So that's my just, you know, breakdown of the game and the schedule and thus far. I think maybe you look back at the the first four games and Arkansas, I think, benefited off of some inexperienced quarterbacks. You look at Texas, they've only lost once in a really good uh, Red River shootout in the Cotton Bowl versus Oklahoma. And that is all due to the switch at quarterback. Casey Thompson has done a great job. I wonder how that game turns out if we're playing Casey Thompson instead of Hudson Card. But we played Hudson Card. We beat the freshman quarterback. And then Calzada. You know, that game was more Texas A&M being very, very sloppy, Arkansas just coming out and punching them in the mouth and then hanging on. Their offense really sputtered in, in times and gave Texas A&M a little bit of confidence, and they did you know, put some points on the board, but uh, I'm happy with the win, and Texas A&M still has a good team. Obviously, they went in and... Uh, Handled business versus Alabama. Good job, Jimbo Fisher, you know, being the first uh, assistant to defeat his former boss and the, you know, the guy that's just bullying the SEC and Nick Saban. But, you know, you look back at those games and, and how Arkansas had success, early success in the season two, when you're relatively healthy. You're seven games in and you haven't had a bye week yet. You're basically going to get two. No disrespect to UAPB, but they're a smaller school. They're not even, you know, the small, the small school that typically uh, fans 
talk about when they're talking about small schools in Arkansas. Normally, that's Arkansas State. Uh, those are the top two schools. Uh, UAB may be the fourth be best school. Uh, UCA is probably a little bit ahead of uh, UAPB, but we'll see on Saturday how, how challenging they are to an SEC team. I, I expect Arkansas to handle them, but, but after that, you get a bye week. Hopefully, you can heal up and get some of these backups in positions where these players are going to be gone long term, get them some meaningful reps in practice and in this upcoming game, and get them ready for the rest of the season. Because I think the, the back half of the schedule, after UAPB, well, that will be the eighth game, and you'll have a bye week and then four games. Mississippi State will come to Fayetteville. You'll go on the road to LSU and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And then you come back to Fayetteville to play Missouri. Now, Missouri, obviously, out of those four, to me, is the most beatable. It's at home. It's so it's a game that we haven't beaten. It's a team that we haven't beaten in a long time. It's a game that we, we, we've been in several times. We have several players and you know former coaches on staff. Not that that's an advantage as we played last year, and that was a great game. I think that's something that really helps push Arkansas over the top. That was KJ's first true start as a as an Arkansas Razorback, and at least under you know Sam Pittman in this season, and this last season. That was a revenge game. I think this is a revenge game. Obviously, maybe that doesn't matter. The revenge game for old Miss or for uh, Auburn, pardon me, that that was mismanaged, mishandled, and misplayed. Uh, whether the play, whether you know KJ is doing exactly what the play is calling, uh, we'll never know as fans. But there's some questionable play calls. There were some questionable, you know, player, you know, players being in the game. Why is it this player in the game? Why is this player in the game? And Auburn's a good team. Give them credit. Uh, they, but don't give them too much credit because the refs really helped, uh, as they always do versus Auburn. Seemingly, seemingly every time Arkansas gets screwed out of a game or just out of a bunch of bad calls, it's, it's, it's against Auburn. And, not surprised it was a fumble there was there was a a blown fumble call in favor of Auburn two years in a row. What a surprise it's not and it was a fumble arkansas Arkansas should have got it and um Arkansas should have at least you know had an opportunity. There were several uh fourth down attempts that that arkansas should have uh should have had a chance at and should have should have probably performed a little better but it didn't. Those were the breaks in the game that Arkansas, you know, an under, you know, a team that lacks the quality depth needed to go, you know, undefeated or maybe have one, two losses in the SEC. Arkansas can have a good season the rest of the year. I don't, I don't think they're, you know, sitting at four and three right now. I don't think they're going nine and three. They're, they're more than likely losing to, to Alabama in, in, in Tuscaloosa, and uh, I wouldn't put it past them, you know, going seven and five. But seven and five still a really, really good season. 
uh, that would be tough. I mean, I think I think uh, Mississippi State is very beatable. I think Missouri is very beatable. Uh, you you're yeah, that's seven. You're you're sitting there. Um, four and three. You beat UAPB. You beat Mississippi State and Missouri. At seven and five. I mean, hopefully, with all the turmoil going on at LSU, and as poorly as they're playing, hopefully Arkansas can sneak in there and get a win, and we we we're able to go eight and four, uh, and have a pretty good bowl game, and maybe improve and get a get a ninth win or at least extra reps for some of the younger players. That's really key. And one thing that uh, the coaches and players seem to enjoy about uh, a bowl game is you know, the added time on the field and in the practice field, you know, and the getting game reps, getting getting film action, getting interaction with the coaches. That's all positives for the team. And uh, so, yeah, that's my that's my overview of the schedule. And I will just go into a little bit more detail coming up. All right, so I want to talk a little bit of national news. I mostly talk about the Razorbacks, but this is Mark's sports talk, not Mark's Razorback sports talk. So I try to incorporate some national news. And today, I want to go into basically the whole country, the whole, just everything that you can think about, the positives, you know, as far as what's what's been a bad surprise, what's been a good surprise, um, Heisman's, we're going to talk college football playoff, the uh, basically conference by conference breakdown. So I'll, I'll start with, um, the surprises, the good surprises to me, basically just look at the undefeated teams. There's not a whole lot left, but I'm going to talk about the ones that are not the ones that you would expect. Obviously Michigan state starts off the season defeating Miami and, uh, well, not they don't start off, but that was a very uh, crucial game to me. I mean, that really has just given them confidence week in and week out. Kenneth Walker, the running back there, is a Heisman candidate. Uh, if both Michigan and Michigan State take care of business this Saturday, then next week they'll be playing Michigan and Michigan State in the rivalry game, it'll be a top 10 game. And on the same weekend, Ohio State will play Penn State. And that could be two top 10, big 10 matchups that will be huge for the college football playoff implications. Penn State and uh, Ohio State, I would love for Penn State to win that game, but it's going to be really hard for me to see or pick Anyone but Ohio State winning that game. You got two potential Heisman candidates, depending on how they finish and how the rest of the year goes for Ohio State. But C.J. Stroud, quarterback for Ohio State, or the freshman running back, Travion Henderson uh, at Ohio State, I think those are two guys in, in the in the Big Ten, and along with Kenneth Walker, who, who could be dark horse uh, Heisman candidates, in the Big Ten, and um, yeah, that's that's just to to start off some surprise with Michigan State. Other ones, really quickly, obviously Cincinnati. They ran the table last season. That was one thing they had to do to be taken seriously this season to have a strong start to the season. 
this season, they had to go undefeated. They start the season ranked this season, and they, they've they ran through everyone that they've played thus far. They went and played at Bloomington, Indiana, and and defeated a tough Indiana team. And I don't care who you where you play or who you play. Anywhere this season, it is proving tough to go on the road and get a victory. And to do that at Indiana and at Notre Dame, that was impressive. And they still have really challenging teams ahead of them on the schedule in SMU. SMU, just one of them to talk about. SMU is going to give them all they've got to try to knock them, you know, off their high horse. But I don't know why. I mean, as a team, you want to knock them off. You want to win yourself. But I'd love to see them in the college football playoff. I'd love to see a group of five break that trend in Cincinnati. I think uh, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for Cincinnati, is a Heisman candidate. I don't think he's getting a lot of pub. But he could continue to have a successful season, win out, uh, win his conference championship game in the, the American Conference, and uh, and potentially have a shot. But Cincinnati, Wake Forest, Wake Forest is undefeated, but they're getting into the really you know tough part of their season. And um, Pitt, Pitt has had a really good season thus far. Kenny Pickett, think slowly is becoming maybe a dark horse Heisman candidate. They play Clemson this season, uh, this weekend, and we'll see how well they do. If they're able to pull out a win, I think that'll go a long way for Kenny Pickett getting his name thrown out a little bit more as far as a Heisman candidacy goes. And um, so Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, I think, has uh, has done just enough to be undefeated I think uh I think if you're if you're talking if you're talking conferences right now and breaking down conferences, I say Big Twelve and I say wide open. Except for that Bedlam game. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the two undefeated teams and ranked teams that that have any kind of, you know, importance in the Big Twelve. We'll play for uh, for Bedlam and then potentially play again in the Big 12 championship game. And that is down the road to be seen, but it'll be interesting. So that's the Big 12, and now we're going to go to another conference. Okay, so going back to good surprises, I want to finish this off by saying UTSA. That's right, University of Texas San Antonio and the Roadrunners are undefeated for the first time in school history, ranked 25, and uh, former Arkansas player and offensive uh, uh, and special teams coordinator and just everything. And interim head coach Barry Lunny Jr. is the offensive coordinator there and former Arkansas assistant. And one of the better assistants, I think, that Chad Morse hired as far as uh, the relationships that he built with players, the, the fight and the the desire to play hard and play through the whole game for for a coach that the players had for for Jeff Trailer as the head coach at UTSA uh he was a great recruiter and did a really good job with the running backs um i think i think he was probably one of the better uh coaches that Chad Morris hired but they're doing pretty well they're they're doing pretty good out there at uh at San Antonio 
Uh, excited to see how they finish. Obviously, right now, 7-0. I don't think that they have any kind of opportunity at the college football playoff, but they're a good surprise right now. And those were the good surprises. Let's talk about bad surprises. Right now, I want to talk about SEC. I'm just being a little picky. and just being a little picky. Florida. Florida is a bad surprise to me. They've they've just had some questionable questionable decisions by Dan Mullen. I think Dan Mullen mainly is what I'm what I'm saying is a is a bad surprise. I'm gonna break it down as far as the SEC. I'm gonna break it down as far as the coach. I think Florida, because it's in the SEC and because they have Dan Mullen and and the way he's handling things. I think is why they're a bad surprise. Next, I would say, is the whole state of Florida. For the first time in a very long time, I forget the date, but there is no school from the state of Florida ranked in the top 25. Florida State, Florida, UCF, Miami, I mean, (laughs) University of Florida, none of them them ranked anywhere in Florida, and that's, that's... that's uh that's not good. That's not good for football. That's not good for the ACC, and that's not good for the SEC East. But I will say, I do think the only other team left on the schedule for Georgia, aside from playing in the SEC championship game, as of right now, against Bama. I think Florida could be a team that could give Georgia the best challenge besides Bama. So, yeah, disappointed in in Florida. They're not ranked, but I think they could still give Georgia some fits. Georgia's a really good offensive team, but they're not having to be. They have such a just a juggernaut of a defense. And Dan Mullen is probably one of the better offensive minds and play callers in college football and give him a good enough reason to really scheme up and want to just knock somebody down. And I think that reason could be Georgia and the way that his team has performed thus far in the season. You see how they get up for big games like like Alabama. I mean, Georgia, when they play Florida, it's going to be a neutral site game in Jacksonville and it's going to be a split crowd, so that's going to be an exciting game. But but aside from the state of Florida and Florida itself, I think obviously the next thing would be Clemson. Uh, Clemson's just been riddled with injury for some reason. For some reason, Dabo Sweeney did not want to utilize the transfer portal. He said he didn't want it. He didn't want to use it. If somebody wanted to leave, go, but he wasn't going to use it. If somebody else, you know, other colleges wanted to use it, great. But he wasn't going to use it. So, yeah, sucks to suck because that's really hurt you as a football program because you don't have the depth that you used to have at Clemson. You, you've been riddled with injury, and now you're kind of dependent on certain players, so you can't risk uh, certain plays. You can't be as aggressive as you once could. And it, it is showing you're vulnerable, and Clemson just looks okay now in the ACC as the ACC is wide open. I tell you they're wide open with teams like Pitt and Wake Forest headlining the group right now with really good records. And North Carolina 
is is still a very viable option, but there's a lot of games left. This is just week seven, week seven, week eight. Um, so, so there's gonna be a lot happen in between now and college football playoff. But that that being said, let's go now to a bad surprise in LSU. LSU. You thought last year was because of COVID. You thought all the the off-field stuff will be held together by the coaching staff. Through everything that's gone on, they've they've maintained top three recruiting classes. And those young players have played and done very well. But Ed Orgeron is out at LSU, and that's just that's just bad for him. I mean, he he gets a buyout. He he said that he's gonna take you know some time away from football. He's old and and I think he said he was fifty or sixty. Uh, he said he was old enough to where he needs he could take some time away from football. I I don't really see that happening for very long. I think he's gonna be called back to coach. I think he's a great D line coach. I would I would uh, I would welcome him coming to Arkansas as a defensive line coach. I uh, don't think he's going to have a whole lot of success as a defense coordinator, but he's going to probably want to have some sort of say unless he's just at LSU as a, a D-line coach. But Ed Orgeron at LSU, Clemson, um, state of Florida as a whole, and just Florida just underperforming in the SEC. I think they were somebody that needed to step up and challenge Georgia in the East and make the SEC stronger as a whole, and the, the parity going on in the SEC right now with with Ole Miss, with Arkansas. They, I mean, they came up, they came up and then got just smacked back down by this schedule. And uh, I don't think there are a whole lot of teams out there that could run the four game stretch that Arkansas had and come away unscathed, as you see. There is just about no one in the SEC. There's only one team that has come away unscathed. Everyone has lost a game. And uh, that's made a lot for a lot of excitement this year in all the conferences. So bad surprises, good surprises. I've broken down the conference of the, uh, the Big Ten. Iowa's still in play. They're a good team. The Big 12 is pretty much wide open. Texas losing to Arkansas. Texas losing Oklahoma in, in the uh, in the Cotton Bowl and the Red River Shootout. Even if they were to win the Big Twelve, they're not going to play off. I mean, everything right now, when you're talking undefeated, when you're talking ranked, when you're talking about conference championship game, it's to get to the next game. It's to get to the college football playoff, and I think I think Oklahoma's the team to beat in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State sitting there undefeated saying, hey, wait a minute, but and I haven't seen anything that, that shows me that you're going to beat Oklahoma if, if, you know, if you're an Oklahoma State fan out there. If you're Oklahoma State, I'm not betting on you to beat Oklahoma. But the ACC's wildly open, and the Pac-12, much of the same, wildly open. Oregon has, has fallen. I mean, they can still win the conference championship, and have an outside shot if just all kinds of chaos breaks open in in, in the college football season. But Oregon, 
Arizona State, Utah, uh, yeah, that's UCLA. Those are your four teams that I think stand out in the in the Pac-12 at this moment. And uh, there's a lot that could change about that. So the SEC, it's pretty much at this moment, Alabama, even though they've lost, all they have the head-to-head with Ole Miss. So if they... There's a lot that can happen. So if if Alabama were to stumble, which I don't see them stumbling unless they go to the SEC championship and play Georgia, and then at that point, then you ask, depending on how many undefeated teams, say Michigan State runs the table, and you have Michigan State undefeated, you have Georgia undefeated, and you have Cincinnati undefeated, and then you have a two-loss uh, Alabama. Are you going to put them in over an undefeated Oklahoma? No, but are you going to put a two-loss Alabama in over an undefeated Cincinnati? I think, sadly, that would happen. There's a lot of games that that are going to happen. There's a lot of teams in the top ten that are going to lose, and I think things will clear themselves up in between now and then. That's why you got to play the games. That's why we as fans get to watch the games, and I'm happy for every game that I get to watch. I may not like the last three games' outcome. I may not like that we're getting beat up as uh, as players, you know, getting injured and just being beat down mentally by, you know, going on the road and losing. And there's still respect for Arkansas. I think, there, I think a lot of people out there are looking at Arkansas, looking at the schedule, and understanding that they're playing some really good teams and they're playing on the road for a lot of them. And I th- I think Arkansas still has has a little bit of respect. I mean, you you come out and you you win against UAP UAPB with some impressive you know plays. Maybe maybe you uh, you run the score up. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just have a really nice offensive day. Maybe you get lucky on a special teams play or maybe a defensive play. But maybe you look good a little bit. You go into the bye week and get healthy. Then you come out and have a good performance, good showing against Mississippi State and Fayetteville. And then you're 6-3 and three going down to Baton Rouge. And I think there's possibility for you to creep back into the uh, top 20 at that point, especially if you're able to get a win over over uh, Baton Rouge and be, <clears throat> be ranked 7-3 uh, and three at that point. I, I think uh, I think you would definitely be in the top 20 if you're an Arkansas Razorback fan or if you're Arkansas Razorback, I think you're in, in the top 20 at that point. But the SEC, the SEC is pretty much, you know, it's top two teams. ACC is wide open. There's teams that could peak, but I don't think that they have the schedule to push them. And they have the seasons, you know, the background as far as the previous seasons that put any of the teams right now in Pitt and Wake Forest into the college football playoff. So the Pac-12, much of the same, uh, except for none of those teams over there are undefeated to the moment. All of them... And all the Pac-12, you know, supporters say, oh, we play nine conference games, so we beat ourselves up. Well, first of all, if you want to compete, you you could always change that rule. But go you, good job, you know, including everyone and having fair competition. And then second of all, you say, oh, we're beat, we're beat up because we play each other so much because we play an extra conference game. 
it's what week seven, and there are no undefeated teams in the in the Pac-12. There's something else going on other than you just beat up on each other. Other than hey, you you could just be a really good, really deep talent, uh, talented conference that doesn't have any great teams that are undefeated. Oregon's probably a shining star right now. I think they have the best shot to win the conference and to go to the uh, college football playoff. I don't think the Pac-12 or the ACC will have representation in the college football playoff uh, playoff this season. It'll be interesting to see who gets the nod out of the Big Ten. But talking about the Big Ten, the Big Ten is wide open, but it's wide open in a good way because there's, there's some blue bloods there in Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan that are all in play for a college football playoff invite. And there's some exciting games coming up. And that's, I mean, that's that's the Big Ten. The Big Ten's the most exciting league outside of the SEC. And with, with the Big 12, it's basically Oklahoma and everybody else. And speaking of Oklahoma, they did go ahead and make a, a quarterback change. Spencer Radler is the second string quarterback now and freshman Caleb Williams is really giving Oklahoma that extra spark. I think I think Caleb Williams has proven to me that they have what it takes to get not only through the season undefeated and win their conference championship and get to the college football playoff, but I think they could potentially break the streak this season if they do indeed get to the college football playoff, I think they could break the streak of uh, getting there and not winning a game. They've had so many talented players, and they've gotten to the college football playoff before, but they haven't won. And I think if they get there this season, Caleb Williams, he's only played six quarters of football, and he's already being talked about as a Heisman candidate. He is that impactful. He was a... He was a dynamo with the ball in his hand. He was running. He was throwing. He was making plays. And he looks impressive. He he may be pushing Oklahoma over the top as far as somebody that could very well compete with uh, Georgia. I think Georgia right now is the clear favorite to win the college football playoff, um, to win the college football championship. I think it would be interesting. It would be a really hard path for Alabama to win it. That would mean they would have to beat Georgia in the college in the SEC championship game, and then obviously, even though they just lost Georgia, only having one loss to what would then be ranked a number one Alabama team, they would obviously put them in the playoffs. So then Alabama would have to beat Georgia again. So really, really tough, tough to see Alabama in. The SEC uh, in the uh, <clears throat> pardon me in the college football playoff as one of the top four right now. You got to play the games, so we'll see how the season goes. But right now, presuming they run at, run the table in the re- regular season, they get to the SEC championship and lose to Georgia. I doubt. I even question them getting into the college football playoff with two losses at that point. Yeah. I mean, they're two, I mean, a really good Georgia team and 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 a really talented team in Texas A&M at a really, really impactful home field game. I mean, the, the Kyle Field, 
12th man, stormed the field afterwards, first assistant to beat Nick Saban. There was a lot to that game, and that game should not be, you know, lightly talked about when you mention Alabama. So interesting, interesting layout as far as the college football season. Lots of games to be played, lots of chaos to happen, and uh, just lots, lots to talk about. So Heisman candidates, I think right now, if everyone were to continue to play how they're playing right now, individuals and teams, because I don't think Kenneth Walker has a shot at the Heisman if if Michigan State slips up, you know, two, three, four times in the next, you know, five games. If they were to lose three times in the next five games, I I wouldn't give uh, Kenneth Walker much chance to win the Heisman. But if they only lose one game in the next five and maybe go to the Big Ten Conference Championship game and uh, and then maybe win that or maybe just he has a really good showing, I could see Kenneth Walker from Michigan State winning the Heisman or at least, you know, being up there in New York and being a finalist. Outside of him, uh, Matt Corral, Bryce Young, those are two that stand out from the SEC. I think Bryce Young, just because they're going to keep running through play uh, teams, their defense is going to just, you know, do their thing against uh, opposing offenses, giving him the ball back, and he's going to do what quarterbacks at Alabama do and score points, move the ball down the field, hand the ball off to talented running backs. And I don't think that there's dynamic running back out there, and if there were one other one other than Kenneth Walker. This isn't on an undefeated team, obviously, but B. John Robinson at Texas, I think he's probably the most complete running back. If you were to say in the draft or in this class, I think he's the best out there. His ability to run, return, you know, be impactful on special teams, returning punts and kicks. I think his uh, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, his ability to create in space, the way that he runs, his technique, all of it. I think he's the best running back in the in college football. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard for him to win the Heisman since he he has had Heisman moments against certain teams and he has fallen flat. He's been missing. He's been absentee, and uh, that 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 will hurt him. He in order for him to win the Heisman right now, I think he would have to just have a really really great rest of the season the next five games uh he would have to have uh, an outstanding five games he would have to have some some statistical outpourings in some games to have a shot but matt corral bryce young uh b john robinson kenneth walker um and then cj stroud cj stroud i think has the potential over uh, Travion Henderson at Ohio State, but if they have a, a really good season, if they're able to win out and win their conference championship, I think C.J. Stroud uh, could be in there. And then Dark Horse, Caleb Williams, and Kenny Pickett. So those are my, well, those are my Heisman uh, picks or you know top odds to win the Heisman right now. <coughs> huh. But we'll finish up the podcast just after this. So, after going over all the conferences, surprises, and 
you know, bad surprises, good surprises, Heisman candidates, and talking about college football playoff. There's a lot to happen, but right now, my picks to be the top four teams representing college football in the college football playoff are Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Cincinnati. It's going to be really hard for Alabama to get in there, potentially with two losses. Even if they do beat Georgia, I think it's going to be really hard for them to beat them twice. And uh, I hope I'm wrong. I, I think this year is potentially the first year since the college football playoff was enacted that Clemson and Alabama will be absent. I do not think anything that Clemson does from now on out, even if they were to not lose a game and go to their conference championship game and and win it, I still don't think they're going to the college football playoff. Uh, so Clemson's definitely out of the college football playoff. And I, I, I just uh, I struggle, especially if there's a Big Ten team with one loss. If Ohio State's sitting there with one loss, or or maybe Michigan or Michigan State is sitting there with one loss, I don't see how you could take Alabama over a one-loss Big Ten team, regardless who who it is at this moment, if it's Michigan State, if it's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, whether, no matter who it is, if, if either one of them are one loss, I think it's really hard. One loss and winning your conference championship, I think it would be really hard to 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 take Alabama over them. But then the argument happens to Cincinnati. Now, hopefully, for Cincinnati's case, they went out and they go to their conference championship game, and it's against a ranked team. Hopefully, for their case, it's a challenging uh, opponent deemed you know worthy of a, a strength notch on their strength of schedule you know little argument because there's not a whole lot there but if they win you know if they they go undefeated they win their conference championship game and they you know could have a potential Heisman candidate and Desmond Ritter uh do you pull out a Cincinnati over Alabama I think the three and the four spot in the college football playoff are going to be very, very interesting to follow. I think obviously right now, based on the schedule and the the teams that are ranked, I think Oklahoma and Georgia are probably one two going into the college football playoff. I think uh, I think they went out. I think they look impressive doing so against some impressive opponents, and. The other two are going to be dramatic for college football. It's probably going to be Group of Five Cincinnati, and that's it. No one else has any kind of resume as far as a background resume, as far as last season, as far as being there before, doing that at the big stage, having any kind of resume builders as far as ranked opponents, Power Five conference, you know, opponent or Power Five uh, opponents, you know, scheduled as far as non-conference. There's no other, there's no other Group of Five team out there that has that. So it's Cincinnati or bust for the Group of Five. So those last two spots are going to be Cincinnati 
or a Big Ten team or Alabama. And uh, and that's all I've got for today's podcast. If you like the show, or if you think somebody else will like the show, give it a share, give it a like, give it a follow on Twitter at Mark Sports Talk. If you want to interact with the show, or you want a, a certain topic to be talked about, or or you just want to shout out, uh, hit me up at uh, MarkSportsTalk at gmail.com. It's, uh, as always, give me that five star rating, Apple Podcast. Give me a write, written review; it'd be great. But if you don't want to write anything, that's fine too. Just give me that five star review; that'd help. Uh, available on po- Apple Podcast, obviously, Google Podcast, Spotify, and many, many more. That's all I've got for today, and I'll see you later.